0: And at this time, I would like to call Pastor David to please come forward as we are having him deliver our morning message today, as we look at this time in our life in which we are in an in between time. So, Pastor David, we welcome you to deliver our morning message. When I was younger, a song that, so in my family, I come from a very musical family. When I was younger, and interesting thing about me, I've learned that as I've got older, I've really seen that the roots that I have for my family about music, I'm starting to really love music. But uh, when I was younger, music was more kind of a family thing. But here's a really positive family memory I have. Uh, My grandmother used to sing an old Johnny Mercer song. And she loved Johnny Mercer. Uh, She loved all of music from that era, and she taught it to me. And we used to sing it when I visited her in North Dakota in her kitchen. Uh, she had her, whatever it was, the mixing bowl and whatever going, and we would sing together. She also was one of the people who taught me to play piano. And we had this song that she would sing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk, sing it a little jokingly, but you'll get the point. You ready for this? You've got to accentuate the positive positive eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. There's more of the song, but it's called Accentuate the Positive. And it really sticks out to me because in this time, we are in a Mr. In-Between time, or sorry grandma, a Mrs. In-Between time. We may be feeling like it's hard to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative when we're quarantined. When we're working essentially and having to wear masks in front of our coworkers, When we're having to do social distancing around people that we love and care about and we just desperately want to give them a hug and say it's going to be okay. It's hard to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. It's pretty easy to to latch on to Mr. In-Between during those times. We find ourselves in those situations feeling a lot like Mr. In-Between. I liken it to this senioritis. Do we remember senioritis? Sometime after the first day of high school, your senior year, we're ready to be done. We're ready to graduate. We're ready to move on, whether it's to college, whatever it is, we're all set. That trigonometry class, who needs that tri- I honestly, signs, cosines, I don't remember that stuff. We feel like we're in an in-between stage when we have senioritis and we're just like, this trig test, I don't want to do it, why am I doing it, what's going on? But the reality is, during that time of senioritis, if I don't pass that trig test, I will lose my scholarship, I will have a low GPA, so the in-between time matters. And that's what we find ourselves in today, that in-between time, whether it's kind of we all have senioritis... We're in that weird, strange middle. And you know, Peter, in John 21, found himself in a very similar situation. He found himself as Mr. In-Between as well. He found himself in between resurrection and Pentecost. The resurrection was kind of the end of the glory days of Jesus. So they had three years together where they did ministry together. They went all over the place. They had all sorts of cool stories, cool times together. He got to hang out with Jesus. It was a great time, and that was the olden days. He was looking forward to Pentecost. He was looking forward to starting the early church. Peter becomes a very pivotal and important figure in the early church, but he's in this weird 50-day thing where he's Mr. In-Between. And, you know, he found himself in a situation where things were kind of directionless he may have felt like this, and this might feel, this might sound pretty similar to what we could be feeling today. Maybe he felt drained. Maybe he felt less than, or feelings of being less than. Maybe he felt really worried and and wanted to control everything going on. We don't know exactly what Peter felt, but we do know that when we're in the times of in-between, those are some of the things we deal with. And today, we could describe that as limbo, We could describe that as an uncertain time, an in-between time, but we always have a same problem, our limited view. I was reading this passage earlier this week with a friend of mine, and he said, you know, David, what I notice is that Peter always has a very limited view. He sees things directly in front of him. And I looked back, and all especially in John's gospel, Peter always sees kind of what's right there in front of him. And we do the same thing. The problem is, is that when we have that limited view, it's really hard to accentuate the positive. We get stuck as Mr. In-between and we feel worried. We feel directionless. We feel drifting. We feel frustrated. We feel like we want to control things because we're just looking at what's right here. But the problem is, is that God ultimately sees the whole picture. God for Peter sees the ministry, Pentecost, resurrection, all of it. It's all there for him. We have that limited view. So I want to summarize, as we're kind of getting started, I want to summarize this passage. It's a long narrative passage, a great passage, John 21. And I encourage you, you can do one of two things. We're in an in-between time, so you're not sitting in a pew. So you can do one of two things. You can pause this right now and open up your Bible to John 21 and just read this for a moment. It'll take you a couple minutes, but it's a really important, powerful passage, and it's really helpful to see that. Or I invite you, when this service is over, go back and read through John 21, or do both. But I'm going to summarize it for you. It's after the resurrection. We have the disciples are in Galilee. Peter says, I'm going fishing, guys. And so his friends say, okay, let's do it. So they all get in the boat. Then they decide that, okay, we're in the boat, so we're going to try going fishing. They go fishing all night, and they don't catch any fish, and they're frustrated. Then in the morning, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're ready to be done. They've had an unsuccessful, unfruitful night, and they see this figure on the shore. We're not sure yet what the figure is. And the figure says, hey, um, children. It's funny that he calls them children. But he says, hey, children, uh, why don't you try casting your net over here? And suddenly they have tons of fish, and suddenly Peter looks, realizes it's Jesus, If you see him here, he's shirtless, so he throws his overcoat on, jumps into the water, runs over to Jesus, gives him a big bear hug, so excited, Jesus has breakfast for everybody. So that's great. But Peter, unfortunately, has all these weird less-than feelings. He's feeling very insecure, and we'll get into this. Um, And if you know the story, especially around Peter's denial, you'll, you'll know why. But he's feeling like, oh, man... But Jesus restores Peter. And as soon as Peter's restored, he immediately turns around and he starts looking at everybody else. Okay, Jesus, great. Cool, thank you. I'll follow you. But but what about this guy? And Jesus has to say, no, Peter, I'll worry about John. You worry about Peter. You follow me. So let's, let's pray together as we begin. You know, Father God, we thank you for this opportunity in this strange and uncertain time to not focus on what's right in front of us, but to focus on the fact that you are leading and guiding us. We know that you have wonderful, amazing things for us. We know that the best is yet to come, and we know right now we have to not only trust, we have to not only survive, but we're going to, through you, we're going to thrive And so we ask that in this time where we can feel like we're drifting, we ask that you would allow us to slow down, be patient, wait, but also experience the good things in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to make a point. And if you get one point from the message today, this is the point. In the times where you are feeling like Mr. In-Between or Mrs. In-Between, your words matter. I will say that again. In the time where you feel like you're in between, your words matter. Now, maybe that's because you are married, like I am, and you walk into the kitchen, and your wife is there, and she's cooking, and you say, oh, you're so wonderful, I really appreciate you, you're a great wife. Now, I'm not saying that I can control Laura, my wife, but I will tell you that if I start her day by saying, you're a great wife, she's taking that through her day, and that's a lens that she looks through her day. Now, if I say to someone, oh, you're just cranky all the time. You're so negative. Again, I can't control them. But they're taking that word as a lens through their whole day, and they carry it with them. So again, for the third time, if we can take one thing from this message, and we'll see it with John um, 21, we'll see it with Peter, and we're going to see it with ourselves. In times where we are in between, let's be an encourager not a discourager. So I want to kind of look at this, and we're going to speak a couple words over ourselves today. We're going to speak a couple words over Peter today, over our situations, and over our families today. We're going to do four of them. We're going to go from one word to another. I'm going to give you the discouraging word, then we're going to do the encouraging word. The discouraging word that we start with is from drifting to pursued. Here's a challenge. I find myself drifting. Many of us find ourselves without clear direction today. We hear it said by our media, by our leaders, by our families, by whomever you wanna think of, that we're in an uncertain time, that we're in an unprecedented time. We're in uncharted territory. Many of us are quarantined at home without a roadmap. Still others of us are essentially working with masks on, social distancing procedures, and feeling like, wow, this is all different, and in great risk and others of us are sick right now and going through a time saying how did this happen we can feel directionless we can feel drifting it can feel like we're just trying to get through this like we're trying to just linger through drift through and let this play out and we have no control and we're just drifting we're in the ocean It's kind of like if you've ever gone into the ocean, tried laying on your back and felt the waves take you a little bit, we can feel like that. We don't have any agency, no control, here we go, we're just drifting. Think about Peter. He probably felt the same way too. We don't exactly know why Peter went fishing that day. Here's what we know. Jesus said to the disciples, okay guys, um, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Now they're in Galilee, and we don't know why they went fishing. There's kind of two main theories why. Number one, maybe Peter was being disobedient and defiant. Could be. We, we do this from time to time. And said, you know what? This ministry stuff, no thank you. I'm going to go back to being a trade fisherman. It's great. That's what I'm doing. Bye-bye. Maybe. We honestly don't know. Or maybe he was being obedient because Jesus said, meet me in Galilee. He's in Galilee. There they are. And maybe he just wasn't wanting to feel idle. Maybe he was just saying, you know, we're waiting, and Jesus, I'm going to be obedient, but I'm really bored, and I don't want to just be a burden on everybody. Let's kind of go fishing, because that's comfortable. Maybe he was returning to what's comfortable. We don't know. But Peter found himself without direction. Peter found himself in a situation where he was just drifting, but that's not the word we want to look at. We want to know that we are not drifting today. We are pursued. If you look in the text in in verses 3 and 4, they went out and got onto the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. During times in our lives, like right now, when we feel like we're without direction, when we feel like we're drifting aimlessly, We can choose to remember that Christ is pursuing us and literally standing on the shore. Look in this picture. In our lives, Christ stands on the shore and waves and says, Hi, guys. I love this picture because he's literally looked so innocent and just like, hey, so I'm Jesus. Hello. Uh, I'm available. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, you know, your friend. We did three years of ministry. You're kind of fishing and you're frustrated, but here I am love that picture. I want us to take that picture and remember that if we're feeling drifting and frustrated, Christ is literally standing on the shore of our lives saying, hey guys, remember me? Uh, So you can keep doing that and drift, or you can just turn and I'm right here, hello. I think it's a powerful thing. We are concerned about people drifting during this time. Three groups of people I'm especially concerned about. Obviously our elderly. We're very concerned. We know that being idle can be very difficult on the mind. We know that this can be a very difficult time, not only for the fact that some of our elderly friends are really susceptible to virus, we also know that this time can really speed up dementia, et cetera. We're worried about drifting. We're also worried with our six-year-olds. I don't know if you've thought of this, but our six-year-olds are learning to read. And during this time of learning to read and phonics, this is a really essential time and we've got six-year-olds home But we have some amazing parents, and I've talked to many, many, many parents in this church and out of this church, and we have amazing parents stepping up and saying, you know what, we're not going to drift. We're going to go after phonics instruction. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to contact that teacher. We're going to figure it out. I will tell you, I'm 30 years old, so I'm going to pick on 30-year-olds. Maybe you're 25, maybe you're 55, doesn't matter. Drifting's problematic for us, too. Studies are already saying, you know, if a 30-year-old just kind of sits on the... I'm not shaming, but I'm going to give this example. If a 30-year-old sits on the couch for days on end, eats Cheetos, eats Fritos, watches Tiger King three or four times, and just kind of is there and existing, that can be damaging on the brain. And today, all we have to do is realize that there are moments in our lives, like right now, when Jesus shows up. So, sometimes we call these moments coincidences. But, the problem with coincidences is we know that God fulfills his promises to never leave us and show up when we need him. Sometimes we choose to see those coincidences actually not as coincidences, but as God breaking through the situation. Pastor Stan talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were at the beginning of this crisis. He talked about breakthrough. He talked about the times where just God shows up and we have a breakthrough and we move forward. For each of us, this can look different, but it's true that we have moments where Christ shows up in our lives. Maybe we're aware of it, or maybe all we need to do is look around, notice, and remember that fun picture of Jesus. Hi, guys. It's me, Jesus of Nazareth. I'm right here. Turn. I'm I'm happy to help hello. Today, we don't need to drift on the couch. We can live lives where we understand that Christ pursues us. And here's the next word. So we go from drifting to pursued. We go from hungry to fed. Here's a challenge. I find myself spiritually and emotionally hungry. Today, especially, we hunger and long for community. Many of us have lost the ability to get out of our house. Now some of us are having to, but we're essentially working, and again, we've talked about those precautions, so we're in a different place. We've lost the ability to meet in large groups with our friends and families. I've participated in Zoom birthday parties, so I know this is a thing. That's wonderful. We're using technology to still have community, but it's not exactly the same. We hunger for that. We've lost the ability to go into work normally, whether we can't go in at all or we have to approach work in a very different way. We've lost the ability to take our kids out to the park. It's spring, and we can't go to the park. We can't do playdates. We've lost the ability to physically worship in a building, and I would be remiss to say, yes, I have lost the ability at church to do secret handshakes with my little church buddies. We're missing that community. Consider Peter. The three-year adventure was over. Though Jesus had indeed resurrected, the glory days were over. It was done. We were. That was. That was then. This is now. Peter returned to fishing. Maybe it was out of defiance. Maybe it was out of a desire not to be idle. Maybe it was for both reasons. But I also. I. Here's my theory. You. You won't find this in any commentary. But this is my theory for what he was really doing. I think he wanted community. I think fishing offered a community that he was like, you know what? I'm hungering. I need this community. I'm going to go for this. However, after a night of long and unsuccessful work, Peter and his friends were exhausted. But then Jesus shows up. They're overwhelmed by fish caught, and they're still exhausted. Because I am not hungry, I'm fed look at the text. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Remember, meals are about more than just food. Mealtime is family time. At mealtime, we don't simply have our physical hunger needs met. That's 11 o'clock snack when I eat. uh, I'm going to pick on Fritos. I don't actually like Fritos. So when I'm eating Fritos out of my cabinet, that's hunger time, right? Normally, Mealtime is about so much more than just physical needs. It's about the emotional and social need of community. That is our family. That's where we talk about what's going on. Peter hungered for community, and Christ provided this for him. Consider how Jesus feeds us spiritually and provides community for each of us, even in a time of quarantine, when we're physically unable to access community in the ways we had in the past. For each of us, this can look different. But we are fed and sustained both by the truth of Scripture and connecting with our community of believers. The last time I preached, it was a little while ago, before this crisis, I talked about how our group of believers is a squad. We rely on our squad for support, for encouragement, and for that community. I am so humbled by the ways that I see our church working together for this. I look around... I've talked to many, many, many of you, and I'd love to talk to many more of you. I've looked around, and I've seen that groups are stepping up. People are joining groups for the first time. People are looking for that community. We see how essential and important it is. I see great faith groups in this church coming together, supporting each other, being a great support system, even in a time where we can't physically meet. We've got people who have no idea about computers saying, you know what? I understand the importance of community. I'm going to learn how to use a computer. I'm going to learn how to use Zoom. David, can I call you? Absolutely. Great. Let's figure it out. Thank you for your bravery. That's amazing, and I appreciate it. We appreciate it, because community is what we need right now. And so today, I invite you to join me in a renewed commitment to both reading Scripture daily and connecting with other believers for encouragement for prayer. And if you have questions about technology, please reach out. There's a little gimmick that every service I give my cell phone number. So here it is twice. 774-283-3864. I'll say that slower. 774-283-3864. We want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Let's get you connected. And we go from this, from failure to restored. Think of this next challenge. I find myself feeling like a failure. Today, many of us bring baggage with us. We find ourselves feeling that we would be in a better place right now if only. Think about it. In the time of coronavirus, in the time of isolation, social distancing, if only I had picked another career. If only I had followed my family when they moved across country and I now could be with them. If only I hadn't made a scene Hadn't had a falling out with my son, and now he would pick up the phone, and I would feel less isolated. The list goes on and on and on. Consider Peter. He, too, brought baggage with him. He carried guilt, and he carried shame. We can easily assume that from Peter's perspective, he viewed himself as a failure. Jesus, remember Jesus on the shore? Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, that Jesus death, burial, resurrection, that, that Jesus had invested three years of physical, physical time with Peter. We would love to have that. And Peter still, in his mind, let him down. Peter denied Jesus three times, just like it had been said he would. All of Peter's insecurities in that moment were confirmed. When it was time for him to stand firm, he folded. It's very likely that Peter dealt with his own set of if-onlys, but here is the good news— We go from failure to restored. I am restored. Look in the text. In verse 15, it says, feed my lambs. In 16, tend my sheep. And 17, feed my sheep. During times like right now, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God sees each of us as loved, forgiven, holy and blameless, chosen, given peace, saved through faith. If you don't believe me, Pause the recording right now. Go into Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and see for yourself of who you are in Christ. That is who God sees you. God doesn't see you as a failure. You are restored. You are holy, blameless, a royal priesthood, etc., etc., etc. Look back in there. Peter lost track of that. He, like us, likely clung to ideas of if only. And it's hard because... I may have said those if-onlys, and you'd be like, oh, David, why did, you, why did you repeat? Okay, yes, we have those if-onlys, but that's not the end of the story. Remember how we talked before about how Peter only saw what's right in front of him? The if-onlys are what's right in front of us. God looks at us and says we're restored. That's the God view. Our limited view says that we're not. It says if-only, if-only, if-only. He very publicly did something a lot worse probably than we've done. Peter denied Christ three times. When he had been warned that he would, he still did it. And I'll tell you, if Peter is anything like me, this likely played through his mind not three times, but 3,000 times. We get in these moments with insecurity, with failure, where these things just play over and over and over and over. So I'm sure for Peter, he didn't deny Christ three times. He denied Christ over and over and over in his mind. And this played out, and he had insecurities, and he said, if only, and he's so concerned, and I'm worried, and oh, it's the end of the world. But that's not what Christ saw, and that's not what he sees in us today. He doesn't see you as if only, and you're a failure. You are restored. I am restored. As a restored person, though, we have some work to do. Think about what happens in the text. So, Peter denied Christ three times, and then Christ gives him an opportunity three times to say, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then he gives three mandates. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. As a restored person... Peter was immediately given a directive to love and serve other people. Now, it's hard because we don't have the same ability today to run out in our cars and serve people like we could before. But two different governors have given advice that I think is really helpful. On the very first day when Governor Baker was giving all these different mandates, here's what happened. He said, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something along the lines of this one of the most powerful things you can do you can pick up the phone and call your isolated neighbor you can check in to the people around you you can make a difference now that doesn't mean we're going to abandon quarantine and put people at risk of not saying that at all we can be connected another governor governor cuomo said a similar thing a little different he said be socially distanced but be spiritually connected So I want us to think of both of those. Look at that. We have a Republican governor and a Democratic governor, and they're giving the same advice. That's refreshing. And think of this. Right now, we're not needing to disregard quarantine and go show up at someone's house. We can pick up the phone. We can pray for someone. We can call someone up. Really powerful thing. You don't just have to be a pastor to do it. Pick up the phone, and at the end of the phone call, when you talk to someone, say, it was so nice talking to you how can I pray for you for this week? You will be shocked at just how appreciative that person is. Praying with people over the phone isn't just for pastors. We we have to be socially distanced, I get it, but we can be spiritually connected. I did the Ephesians challenge. I want you to think back for that for a moment. I did the Ephesians challenge because when we look at who we are in Christ, we're also empowered to do this. We're also empowered to be the encourager, to speak positivity over someone else, to pray for someone else. And when I know that I'm not a failure, I am restored, then I can say, okay, then I can pick up the phone, then I can be an encourager. So I invite you today to look back at Ephesians 1 and 2. Either re-jot down or jot down for the first time who you are in Christ. Then I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. I want you to try believing it. It's so easy for us to look at something and say, well, that applies to everybody else, but not me. You don't understand. If only, well, I... But the problem is, is that Christ doesn't see that. He doesn't see all the if-onlys, the oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. He just sees you as loved and restored. So I invite you to actually try believing it today and know that we are restored because we go from comparing to called and here is the challenge. I find myself myself comparing myself to others. You know, many of us are spending our quarantines on a quite a bit of social media. I'm not shaming, just saying that's a fact. Or we're spending our time thinking about what our neighbors, friends, and relatives are doing. Remember Peter sitting there being like, well, what about him? It's very easy for any of us to quickly get pulled into comparing. To quickly say, okay, yes, I understand who I am in Christ, get it, I get it, but you should see my name. I mean, she's so ridiculous. Like, two in the morning and she's playing Beyonce music, like in her driveway, and doesn't matter. You worry about you. I worry about me. We'll let God do the rest. Instead of seeing that God has called me, to do what I have to do, I start comparing. I start looking around. Instead of seeing that God has called me to be a husband to my wife Laura and a dad to my daughter Ruby, I can start drifting and start to focus on everyone and everything else. And this happens for each of us and it happened for Peter. Peter finds himself restored and immediately starts worrying about everyone else. Well, what about John? After being told, follow me, Peter immediately starts asking, well, Okay, I will, but what about him? The busybody thing isn't helpful. Because we are called. Look in the text. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he is to remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. Jesus speaks that to directly to Peter, and he speaks it to each of us. You follow me. David, you follow me. We need to stop worrying about everybody else. Even after we realize this, that we are restored, it's so easy to just immediately go over there and just say, well, what about them? But we are called. Jesus gives us an amazing opportunity to live lives with him at the center. Think of Peter. Peter was called. Peter was in this weird, this is interesting, Peter was in this weird 50-day period of time. Now, we don't know how long social distancing is going to be. Maybe it's going to be done soon. Maybe it's going to go on a while. But maybe it's going to be 50-ish days. And maybe we can look at this time and say, you know, kind of like Peter in between resurrection and Pentecost, I'm in the middle, and I'm going to make the right choices, and I'm going to follow Jesus today in this period. Could be longer. Could be shorter. We don't know. Think of who Peter was. Peter goes from being in the middle, being stuck, being directionless, being drifting, to being the first preacher. He preaches the first sermon on Pentecost, and 3,000 people trust in Christ for the first time. He becomes a great apostle, and he's even martyred, but he doesn't cower. He says, you know what? If I'm going to be crucified, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Christ was. Crucify me upside down. But before any of that happens, he gives us something really helpful. He writes this. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into wonderful light. We are called based on who we are in Christ, not how we feel about ourselves, and not based on other people. That's why it's so important to hear the words God says about us to overcome our negative thoughts. We go from comparing to called. We go from failure to restored. There are times when we feel like Mr. and Mrs. in between, but that's not what God sees us. He doesn't see you as Mr. in between or Mrs. in between. He sees you as loved, called, restored. So today I invite you to realize You and I are each called to glorify and follow Christ in all parts of our life. Think of this. If you are home in your quarantine, let's stop drifting. There's no shame, but let's just right now say, We're not going to drift. We're going to glorify Christ in our quarantine. How can I serve? How can I be an encourager? If you are essentially working, you have an amazing, wonderful opportunity. Thank you. It's scary. You're putting yourself out at risk. We appreciate it. Be an encourager. Bring Christ to others. You don't have to be that person who's like, do you know Jesus? I'd like to talk to you about him right now. But show with your actions. Say, you know what? I'm just here to serve. I, I don't have ego right now. I get it's hard. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. I care. What can I do to help? And if you're sick, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Glorify Christ in your recovery. Follow all the medical advice. Take the time you need. Have as positive of an attitude as you can. No matter where we are today, we can glorify Christ in what we're doing. And so I want us to think of this. Peter in John 21 finds himself in a strange period. A time of in-between. He's no longer living the glory days of being a disciple. He's also not yet preaching at Pentecost and helping the early church. He's between resurrection and Pentecost. And that's where we find ourselves today. We're in that weird in-between middle, middle ground. Yes, we trust God. We know that he has amazing plans for each of us. We know he has amazing plans for our families, our community, our friends, and our world. But right now, we're in the middle. Right now, we're quarantined. We're working essentially. We're ill. Right now, we know the best is yet to come, but we're waiting, we're stuck, we're in the middle, and we're uncertain. But in times of in between, the words we listen to and the words we use matter. Today, we are not drifting, hungry, a failure. We're not comparing. Listen to these words. Each of us is pursued, each of us is fed each of us restored, and each of us is called. And let's pray together. You know, Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that you are working through us, and we know that we are not who we think with inadequacies or or fears or failures or uncertainties, but we know that you have called each of us. You are doing wonderful things in our lives, even in a time of quarantine or in a time of sickness or in a time of essentially working. We know that you are not finished with us yet. I think of a dear friend of mine who said, you know, if you woke up today, God still has work to do. And in each of us, having woke up today, we know that you still are working in our lives. We know who we are in you. And we ask that we now be given the encouragement, and the confidence to boldly go, to boldly move forward, and to boldly step up. We know that you've asked us to follow precautions. We know that you've asked us to use good judgment. We know that you are not asking us to be brazen, to be ridiculous. We know that you are calling us to use wisdom, but we ask that from that place we would not drift, but we would move forward in love for others, encouraging others. And so I ask you, God, to remind each of us today who I am in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.